Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. Today we are talking about flow and kind of that ebb and flow of creative life. And I'm really excited about this. I've been in a weird flow state. <laughs> I don't like it, but it's, I think it's good to have the conversation then because it reminds me that it's okay to not be writing all the time. <laughs> right? Well, and I think recognizing flow allows us to then reframe. And I, I think some of that is that mental, the shoulds, I should be doing something yes. or I should be doing that. And, and if we if we force ourselves to do something that we're not in that place for, yeah. it's like pushing that thing uphill. It's yeah. so much harder than if we just recognize this is not the place or the season in which I'm in, in releasing myself to the things that I can do now, I actually make it easier to do those things. And also the other things I want to do when I'm in the space and I'm in the place to do it. Yeah. And, and I've had to sit with that too awkwardly. <laughs> do you do you mind if I share a quote um, okay. from the uh, major psychologist who studies flow? Yeah. Um, and it kind of gives a little bit of a definition to it. Flow is being completely involved in an activity for its own sake. The ego falls away. Time flies. Every action, movement, and thought follows inevitably from the previous one like plain jazz. Hmm. And I like that one because it, yeah. it then the feel of that reminds me of situations I've been in in which that has happened. Absolutely. Yeah. And whether it's like doing puzzles with my daughter um, for an afternoon that just flies by, or if it's writing something where just effortlessly the words come and the inner critic is silent like it gives you the feel of what being in that state is like yes I love that flow state so I feel like I'm constantly like chasing it and I think what we have to remember though is that it does ebb and flow we can't have it all the time but I think we we get closer to having it all the time when we are willing to let go of those shoulds let go of those expectations and follow energy or follow curiosity. Like, I think that's been a really big thing for me to learn. Like if it feels like I'm pushing a rock up a hill, that I'm probably pushing a rock up a hill and I probably need to look for something else. Um, and I feel like, especially in my writing, like, like life, like in August, I felt like I had this plan. I was, I wrote one book that was just so in flow. It was so like it was more than any of my other projects. It felt like this book is me and it like put so much yes. of my heart into it. And it was so much energy behind it. And I, when I finished it, I knew it was going to be a series. And so I was like, okay, I'll write the next one. That was my plan in, in August. And I was like, all right, I'm going to write the next book. And I got like 10,000 words in and I just felt like, oh, I don't want to do it. And I was like trying to, you know, discipline. And we hear all these things about yes. like pushing through and you have to like, um, you know, especially I think in America, we have these like expectations on progress and on getting things done and crossing things off your list and being productive yes. and, and all of that. And so, you know, like I, 
tried pushing through, made it another like 10K <laughs> miserably <laughs> before I finally was like, why am I doing this to myself? Yes. It's just stressful. And the second that I let go of that, that pressure to finish that book and right now <laughs> and just let myself be for a little bit, I got a whole new idea that I wasn't even thinking about and got excited about it, got energy behind it, outlined the whole thing in like a day, you know, like, yes. I think that when we let ourselves let go of those expectations, those plans, those like set, I have to do this. We actually find we get more done because we can follow that ebb and flow of energy. Right. And when you have energy behind something, it moves faster. Like it's easier. It's fun. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think that there was a post that you did fairly recently where you said that something about the, when writing is is written from a place of when you don't enjoy it, when it is work, when it is that struggle that creeps into the writing. And sometimes reading that (laughs) is like, it feels like work too. Yeah. And I think recognizing that it's okay to disengage when you're in that place, like it is okay to step back, seek silence. We almost feel like putting our head down and grinding it out is better than letting it come softly, like letting it take shape. And how I tend to work is very now, um, after kind of going through the last several years is I see it almost as cooking, like these Mm -hmm. ideas of gathering together ingredients and letting things find their boiling points and not necessarily forcing them into their boiling points and and not forcing each piece of them into their boiling points. Like, I think it is that intuitive, that listening, that, that active attention of where, where is this at currently? And what can I do right now that isn't that grind? Yes. And then when it starts to get to that grinding point, being able to pivot, like being able to not necessarily, you're not disengaging from the work forever. You're just stepping back or you're just doing something else because you're not at that point to be able to do that. And yeah. even research is that way. You can come and go and get new information too that way. Absolutely. Well, and the thing I didn't mention is that there were six weeks between me setting down the one project and me finally starting to feel excited about another project, you know, or like feeling that energy and that time, like I needed that time. Like I needed that time to, to read, to think like ideas do need to percolate and we forget how much of writing is thinking. Um, and we need that time. If we try to rush it, we, we miss out on opportunity, I think, to, to find the best path through the story because we're just trying to get through the story. (laughs) Yes. Well, and I I think recognizing that too, like, what is our goal here? Is our goal just to to finish? (laughs) If your goal is just to finish, yeah, grinding it out, maybe that's the best way of doing it. But if it's really to have a thoughtful story that is connected to something that that you care about, that is connected to some, some things that you want to share, giving it that time definitely has value. And I think just reminding ourselves that it's not wasted time when we give something space to grow into. It's not wasted time when we allow ourselves to 
almost subconsciously work on things. Mm -hmm. Like I say that sometimes I have grains of sand in my head. And what I mean by that is it's something that I know isn't, isn't done yet. Like it's a pearl that's being shaped Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's not there. So I'm just waiting for that Mm -hmm. to like develop into the thing that is going to be. And while that's happening, I'm going to be over here doing something else. Or, and I like how you said reading writing something completely different writing you know a personal essay a short story a a free writing you know journal a a post sometimes those type of things you're still getting those things out Mm -hmm. but you're not trying to grind on the thing that isn't yet ready to move forward like it's here for a reason it's not able to move forward yet so by switching your energy to the things that can move forward yeah. I, I jokingly say that sometimes it feels like I'm avoidance, like doing other avoidance work, but, but I don't think it's avoidant at all to know what can move forward and to know what can't. And there is that balance, right? Like, like we do sometimes just avoid the work because yeah. we're scared or because, Hard. you know, for all kinds of different reasons. And so you do have to kind of be honest with yourself and get quiet yeah. and figure out like, is this me just avoiding it? Or is this actually me trying to force something that's not ready. Um, it was interesting. I, this was an experiment maybe, or something I realized in the process of this last ebb and flow in my creative life, um, was I didn't start feeling energy behind something and get like feeling that flow feeling again. And that curiosity about, about a project until I took intentional time to just think without doing something else. Um, well, not totally without doing something else. I just took a job. That's like the most random thing ever. Um, I'm just folding boxes and like, that's it. That's all I do for the job. Um, but it's space that my hands are busy and I can't do laundry or, you know, people aren't talking to me. Like I can just think. And as soon as I did that, like for four hours, I'm just sitting there folding boxes and thinking. And as I think ideas come and different stories you know, run through my mind and different scenes run through my mind. And I start asking myself questions about that. And like, oh, well, why would that character do that? And what might this lead in? And as you do that, you start to find things that you're curious about or things that are like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't expect that. Or like, why why might that happen in the story? Or what might that lead to in the story? And and I think a lot of flow is following curiosity. And, And I like that you mentioned research earlier too, because I think sometimes we can do the same thing with research. We can like try to push through, like I need this thing and it's not really what we're interested in at the moment. Maybe it's not the right thing and kind of following that. What am I actually curious about and how can I use that in my work instead of trying to force something that's not ready? Yes. I think it's also really important that we're having this conversation during nano. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It feels a little ironic or something. Like. Ironic, but also like incredibly timely and appropriate like like but but in a weird dichotomy type of way because because at the tail end of nano I think it's great to have that reminder of whatever the outcome of it (laughs) like if you were in flow the entire time or if it was a grind or it's kind of that being able to even look back and see I think from my perspective, Nana was so useful Mm -hmm. in helping me figure out my flow and my process and what was for me and what wasn't and how I worked well within that. What was mine to take out of that process? And I think 
we don't often realize that we can sit back and kind of do a postmortem on something yes. and be like, what happened? Like, yeah. what was really great? <laughs> what was like, not great. <laughs> even thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. What? And I love the energy um, metaphor of that, of like connecting with ourselves and seeing what depleted me like yes. past <laughs> like sometimes energy comes out of us and we're yes. like okay that was reasonable a reasonable amount of energy but what depleted me like what left me like with this loss of energy that then I have to replenish or or run at a highly depe- depleted kind of amount that had a, a real significant cost even more than just to the right now, like that had that future cost that then I had to kind of nourish myself and build myself up to kind of recover that energy. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I mean, I think in addition to like what depleted me, like what filled me with energy, you know, like, and how can I bring more of that into my life and into my work and into my creativity and less of the other thing. And I think you're exactly right. Like one of the, I mean, I love nano. I'm like a huge (laughs) nano fan. I've done it seven times. I'm like, yes, everybody do nano. But one of the reasons I really love it is because it feels like a giant experiment. And because I think each time I do it, I learn something different about myself and my work. And sometimes it's, it is fun and flowy and things like, get to my goal easily. And other times I don't. And, and even in both times I learn what's mine and what's not and what works for my process and what doesn't. And, and I think ultimately nano isn't the best process for me to create a book. The books that come yes. out of nano for me are not the best books that I write, <laughs> but it teaches me other things about myself, about my writing. Yeah. There is this this balance, the same as like wondering whether you're avoiding something or, or just Mm. like whether you're being avoidant or whether you're actually forcing something that shouldn't be. We also have to learn kind of this ebb and flow to when do I need to discipline myself to just get into the chair? And when I do, then I find words do flow out. And when is it that that's not helpful? (laughs) Like when really I should be doing something else that feeds me up so that I can get into the chair and write and have it flow. Well, and it's interesting that you said that about Nano because if if you don't mind, I'll yeah. I'll real quick say my experience with Nano because the season is terrible for me. Like November is the mm-hmm. worst mm-hmm. time almost every single year. It's the worst time for me because there's always things going on. We always have so many celebrations going on in November. There's lots of family birthdays and there's yeah. <laughs> things like that. And there's always like it is pure chaos. So literally it is the worst month like of (laughs) any in the year. And I think recognizing that for me, it doesn't fit well. And, and another month doing something of that type of research is better. And, Mm -hmm. and that there is no right way of doing that, but in the noticing, Oh, in my seasons, this is just, it's something that each each time I contemplate it, I get all of that stress and anxiety building up. And I'm like, oh, that's not that's mine. Not for you. <laughs> that's not mine. Like I, yeah. I love seeing everyone do it. I cheer on people mm-hmm. and I'm like, yes. And I love seeing all the posts about it. And I'm like, I contemplate me doing it. And I'm like, I'm going to have a nervous <laughs> breakdown. Okay. It's not mine. And, yes. and that's, that's good. That yeah. inner checking in and the, and I think as we open up, to allowing something we're working on to kind of connect with us deeply. 
I, I do think something shifts within us where we get to the point that we are more excited than afraid yes. of tackling it. And maybe some of that is framing. Like I, I do think some of that you have to kind of just show up and maybe write a sentence and mm-hmm. see if it's ready. Like yes. see if you're in that place so that you're not constantly being like, oh, it's not ready. It's not ready. It's not ready. Because yeah. it's possible that you're just going to say that until the end of time. Yeah. And maybe that's doing it in small chunks and then checking in and being like, okay, okay, that, that, how did that feel? How yeah. was, was that something that I was grinding? Was that something where I was able to move a step forward? Flow doesn't have to be everything flowing. Like you have to turn yes. on the tap. You have to get a drop of water before you get a steady stream and recognizing those things too that sometimes it's just the part of the beginning the part of writing to get to where you need to write to then be able to know what the story is and be in flow and kind of almost checking in like where you're at I, I do think that the labor metaphor for writing is useful because there's stages to it and there's there's signs and signals that I think when we start paying attention to how something feels we can then say oh that that feels similar to that yes absolutely I mean I think that's where the discipline comes in right like you sit down and and see it but you're at least sit down in the chair (laughs) right like you get your butt in the chair um I I think one of the best things that I did a couple years ago was kind of gave myself a rule that I needed to touch my writing every day um and I'm a little more lenient on that on weekends but that kind of forced me to like get in the chair. So then once I get in the chair, sometimes I sit down and I start working on the project that I'm, you know, like my current whip and I flow and things come out and I'm like, oh, I planned on only just writing one, one sentence and now I've written a hundred words or whatever. Um, yes. But other times I get in the chair and it just doesn't, but I at least sat there and, and thought for a little bit, or maybe I wrote something different, like a poem or um, picked yes. up a craft book or something like that. So that it just the discipline is in still continuing to move forward, to grow, to change, to try things, to experiment and play with your writing in different ways. And then the flow, I think, comes with what thing we're actually working on and how we follow that energy or that curiosity and that that stuff. And I, I love that you talked about like November not being a great month for you, because um, I, I love writing in November. It's like perfect for me. Fall is when I want to write every single time I get excited about writing in the fall. I hate writing in the summer. I hate it. I can never get (laughs) anything done in the summer. Like I just can't, it's like grinding a, yeah, it's just horrible. Um, and I think it's important to recognize that like there are cycles in everything in life, like nothing blooms continually. Like, you know, like there is ebb and flow tides come in and they go out. And the more that we can recognize that and, and recognize our own cycles and how they might repeat in a given pattern and a pattern that is predictable, almost it helps, right? Like I don't expect myself to get a bunch of writing done in the summer. I don't even try anymore because I know that about myself and I've seen it time and time again, every single year, year after year, you know, and you don't, you don't do that for November for you. Like, and I think it's just so important to start to recognize that and to look for those patterns in our cycles and in our lives. Absolutely. And I think even also recognizing that within that things can be episodic. Like there's, there's both that like yearly cycle and then also the episodic cycle where you're like, okay, based on this season where I'm at in this year, like 
doing that intuitive checking in and saying, okay, this part of it, it feels different, or this part of it has this unique challenge. And it's interesting because I actually, as, as I was thinking about this, I kind of thought about the book Uprooted. Um, and there's this magic system in it and a magic user, Agnieszka, I think is her name. And she is an intuitive magic user that's very much like her way of doing things is very like each time it's kind of different and it shifts yes. and she listens to how it's it's coming out and she like adjusts to like one piece of magic on this day is not the same as the next one so she can't mm. codify and write it down and teach someone it has to be intuited I think we aren't often taught how to intuit something yes. <laughs> like to get into our body and be like how am I feeling like yes. like and I think some of that is that process of climbing in to ourselves having that silent space and allowing ourselves to intuit to to listen even to the words that are coming that we are telling ourselves about something and sometimes it is to challenge the words that we're telling ourselves especially when those words are yeah destructive or you know potentially telling us what we're capable of they're they're outside of ourselves things that we've internalized but some of that is also the like sometimes we have an inner and deep knowing of something that we just have to be we have to trust ourselves in that place that sometimes we know something and and I do think for me some of that intuiting has been helped by free writing right and allowing myself to if there's a block, you know, if, if we're talking about writer's block or things like that, sometimes just setting up myself down, like knowing that yes. there's something that's there. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, it feels like this weird blob. Sometimes setting myself down and allowing me to just write about it. Yeah. I'm able to tell myself truths that I might not be able to know objectively. I do think that's been helpful, especially since talk about episodic. It's been a very weird episodic type of year for me where yeah. like each season has been just so different and there's been different challenges. And I think sometimes when we're in that space and we allow ourselves to tell us, tell ourselves things that can be helpful too. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. That free writing is one of those great tools for that for learning to um into it I, I think for me like yoga was also a really great tool for learning to into it because I wasn't great yes. at paying attention to my body and doing yoga helped me to notice um yes. what was happening in my body more and pay attention to that which then helped me to notice what was happening in my mind and my heart and other things yes. um I, I think also like I love that you pointed out that we're not really taught to be intuitive or what it looks like to listen to ourselves. And I think something that else that was really helpful for me was asking questions. Like so often, mm-hmm. I think listening to ourselves and to our intuition starts with asking ourselves questions, like, and yeah. just asking one question and the same where that goes or how you might feel about that question or, um, and then asking another question, what's behind that question, what's behind yes. that, and, you know, like, and maybe you write that, maybe you just think through that. Um, but I also think that's how we write too, right? Like when yes. we are storytelling, so much of that comes back to asking questions about your characters and about your story. And yeah, I, I feel like that's been something I've been thinking about a lot lately. It's just 
yeah, digging into those questions and myself and in my story. I love that because I, I think one question can lead to another question, to yeah. another question, to another question, and they can get deeper yes. and possibly even more, more authentic, but also like more honest yeah. as we kind of get behind what's behind something. Cause we might be able to tell that we're afraid of something, but often it's like, there's a kernel in there that's several layers deep. Yes. So you almost have to like work past the layers yeah. to get to the heart of something and, yeah. and giving yourself the space to play with that, the silence to contemplate it as you're working through that and think, thinking through it. Going back to what you're talking about as you were kind of letting your brain run while you're doing something with your hands while you're doing that job I think taking a shower you know yes. doing yoga going for things, a walk going yeah, for knitting a walk, something yeah it is amazing how that and my daughter tells stories like going like doing circles around the <laughs> island in the kitchen yeah like, I that's how she tells stories I love it my island facing. yeah absolutely <laughs> It, it has value because your, your body is then distracted. It can't yeah. like in order to be in flow, you have to kind of disconnect from the fear and you have to disconnect mm -hmm. from the inner critic. And when you engage your body in something that needs, like yes. it needs to pay attention to, it's like your, your mind can kind of go without some of those like protective things that we do when we get afraid, when we step outside ourselves, like, it, it kind of engages that part of ours so we can really get into the excitement and the interest and the spark following and listening to that. We, we don't have all of, all of our body isn't like that intent on protecting us. Yes. It's engaged and possibly in an activity that's enjoyable to it. And so it can kind of align in a place of joy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It kind of distracts us just enough, I think, and to get us out of that like stuck place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like muscle memory. Like yeah. it does that, whereas we don't have to be actively thinking about the task that we're doing because it's not that challenging task that takes yeah. all of our attention. So then it allows us to kind of find paths that we may not have known were there. And it kind of, at least for me, like often I get gifts when I do that. I mm -hmm whether it's taking a walk or taking a shower or just letting myself have that. And we're so inundated. Like there's just so many things that we don't, we don't realize that our days are so full. They're so full of things and just finding that space where things can find us, where it's not like we're, or it's not having to compete with all the other stimuli yes. in our environment. Yeah. I think there are also some things like, just like there are some things that help contribute to flow, like doing something with your body, giving yourself time to, to think like yes. free writing. Um, there's also things that kill flow or that kind of can stifle or stop flow. Like, I think for me, yes. nothing kills flow more than pressure or shame. Yes. When I put obligation on myself or when I put shame on myself, like beat myself up about not being able to do something right. or any of that like that will kill whatever flow that I had or started to have faster than anything else well and even I think defining we've talked about 
anxiety, like the fear and excitement and defining it as fear actually can kill it too. Like, yeah, if you define it, if you tell yourself that it's excitement that you're feeling for it, it changes that narrative and it allows you Mm -hmm. to kind of reframe it. And I think then figuring out if shame is killing this, how do I then help myself choose to do things, to set milestones, to set goals that are shame free or that, that remove, how do I remind myself when I, that, that that's not what we're about. That's like not Not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's counterproductive. Yeah. I think something that always helps me when I'm feeling really stuck too, is to take off the obligation, like whatever goal or obligation I put on myself to just take it off. I'm going to ignore it. Like, like this last time it was like, okay, I'm not going to write this project. (laughs) I'm just going to stop. I'm going to not write. I'm going to let myself be free of any shame for that or any obligation for that. And then that's when it started to feel like, Oh, okay. Now I'm interested in writing again. And it makes me, this is maybe a Maybe it's an inappropriate analogy. I don't know. We, we were watching a, a show recently, and um, I mean, it was just like a silly comedy sitcom kind of thing. And the couple in it is married and hadn't had sex in a while, and so they were like feeling all this like pressure about it and like all this worry about like, oh, is our marriage falling apart because we haven't had sex and all these things? And like, and the minute they like took sex off the table, we're not going to have sex. Then, you know, funny comedy of course then that's when they want sex but it's true like that happens right (laughs) any sort of like obligation or like I have to do this or worry or that shame or like oh I haven't done this in a long time like it kills it so I think really like the best thing we can do when we're feeling kind of stuck in our writing or we don't feel that arousal to write (laughs) is just to say nope I'm not writing it's off the table like I just I'm not gonna do it and then that's when we find I think often that it comes back and in addition to that like then you have the passion for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Then you have the play. Yes. Because <laughs> there, there is that element of play and that element of freedom in it yes. that is integral to the process, I think, of, yeah. of making it. And even fun and enjoyment, like then you can lean into that again. Like then yeah. you can even let that pressure and passion build to you get to the point that you're like, I am going to go nuts if I do not write. And yeah, maybe you need to like build up that tension, right? A little floor player to writing. I don't know. That is a great experiment. It's an apt metaphor because I think that that is true. Like, like you get to do that and have that place of being able to play like even if it's like learning your characters like having fun with them before you like set them loose in your story or having fun with getting the setting like doing some stage direction like what is the thing that is exciting and interesting about what it is you're doing right now and lean into that like into those things I just read um Angelica Frankenstein makes her match by Sally Thorne. And at the, I think it was in the acknowledgements, she talks about how she has this like practice that when she's writing something and she gets stuck, she opens a new document and she just writes the worst thing she can write. Like she's awesome. like, I intentionally write the most horrible, terrible fanfic like 
you know, ridiculous thing. And that this that. book Angelica Frankenstein like came out of that. Like yes. she just was like, I'm stuck on this other, these other projects. I can't do it. I'm going to just open a document. I'm going to write something ridiculous. Like it's so ridiculous and out there and have fun with it. And then like in yes. doing that and experimenting and having fun, she'll often like, and she said most of those projects just end up in a drawer. They're nothing. They're horrible. You know, like they are what they're meant to be, which is just horrible. <laughs> um, but fun. Yes. And that gets her back to writing the project that she was yes. stuck on. I love that. And I, I am a firm believer in like embracing cringe. Like I am mm -hmm. a firm believer in embracing the thing that is just fun and is completely something that I'm like, this isn't literary. It is great. Like, and I actually love reading fan fiction for that reason. Like yeah. it is pure joy when you read about a ship that you like, and it kind of goes weird places. <laughs> it gets you thinking about like story and you're like, yeah. there are some that go off the rails and you're like, this was crazy, but <laughs> like actually kind of interesting. Yes. And then some of them, you're just like, oh, wow, that, that was a thing. Like, that was a thing. <laughs> You're giving yourself that freedom to, to write yes. a thing that's just a thing and a thing that's just fun. Yes. Yeah. It removes the preciousness. Yes. And I think, I think everything is improved by removing that preciousness, the need to be like the ego writer, the need to be creative and a genius and like the greatest thing since Stephen <laughs> King or JK Rowling or whatever author you're thinking of I think releasing ourselves from those type of things only makes our work better Absolutely. and and it it allows us then to kind of embrace the fear when we're purposefully writing something that we're mm -hmm. like let's yeah. write the worst thing that we can write like make yeah. it as good at being terrible as it can be yes. it it also we have to face we face that fear of like writing something terrible by doing it so it kind of like helps us remind ourselves that our fears often, if they actually came true, it's not catastrophic, but we don't know that because we don't look at them and they're like in the, in the corner of the room, hiding there, tormenting us. But when we look them in the face, it, it takes away their teeth. And yes. I love that. I, I love that so much. <laughs> I think acknowledging that sometimes even just embracing what we connect with, it, it, and not feeling shame about what we connect yes. with because sometimes yes. there's things that we're like amen right <laughs> well, and it's interesting because I think I think both of us I haven't finished it yet but I know that someone read the ice planet barbarians that I saw you did and I'm in oh, the yeah. process of reading like it before <laughs> so like, yeah totally <laughs> I totally get it too like and it's one of those that is I'm like wow like you pick it up and you're like it's amazing how something like that can connect with you in a very specific way and it just flows and you're like this it's is just fun to read like, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's just joy and yeah. and reminding ourselves that that things can be just joy that's okay and and shutting down that side of ourselves that are like work needs to be this yes no like Work can be entertaining. It can be just joy. And that is enough. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Well, wherever you're at in your writing life, wherever, whether you're in flow or not, whether you're doing nano or not, whether you are 
feeling great about your writing life or not. We hope that this episode has encouraged and inspired you. Um, we hope that you will try things and experiment and have fun and play and follow that kind of just fun energy. Um, take off the pressure and, and just let your writing be joy again. So thank you for joining us. We hope you keep writing, keep reading and keep putting your work out into the world. Mm-hmm.